Welcome to episode five of MLR Kickoff. Your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Pete, great to be with you again for another week of the MLR Kickoff. And what a week we have had. Uh, another side cements its spot in the championship series with San Diego. And then history is made on Saturday night down in Houston with a bunch of Major League Rugby players involved down there as the USA gets the upset over Scotland. Much, much more. But firstly, mate, how has your week been and how are you feeling coming into this uh, final round of Major League Rugby? Well, you know, my week's, as always, been a little crazy with lots of travel, um, lots of things going on. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a tip that uh, people um, need to think about when they're thinking about using their award points. So um, I was talking to a friend of mine this week who um, travels a lot with United and was looking at trying to get a travel card. So I was looking at one of the United cards and I said, you know what, you can get a better deal if you go with another card like I use Chase Sapphire and I can transfer my points into United and I can transfer it to other airlines and to airports. So it's much more flexible. I get more um, points per dollar that I spend. So when you think about um, you're traveling and you want to look after your points, you really want to be careful about the travel cards that, that you use. So I'm always very conscious. I've got, um, you know, three, I've got four cards that I can get points on that I can transfer to different places um, and that's uh, that's useful, but you you know that's my travel tip. But you're right, we've we've got more travel coming up. I'm heading down to San Diego this weekend. Last weekend was absolutely historic, um, and was historic for a number of teams in the MLR because they uh, clinched their first playoff spot. So uh, exciting all around. Well, let's kick things off with that game on Sunday. It was a big one. Austin San Diego playoffs on the line for both those sides. Win and you're in. Lose, and it could be an early snooze for the side that lost. It was Austin who ended up going down, even with the late call-up of uh, a shoomed retired eagle, Lou Stanfield, into the side. He started on the bench. But what was your thoughts on this game? Uh, another polished performance under very desperate circumstances for San Diego. Yeah, I mean, I think San Diego did enough to win. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure how polished this performance was. I, I, you know, went back and looked at the stats of this game. And it's pretty even if you look at the stats. But, you know, the big thing that jumped out of me was that there was, you know, just over 150 breakdowns total. And so breakdowns, um, the number of rucks that you have in a game is a pretty good indicator of the quality of the game. Um, really good games can get up to 200 breakdowns. It means the ball's in play more. It means there's a lot of ball retention going on. But it was, you know, so it, it, there was lots of issues here. Um, the Austin really had the edge in the scrum and the line out, and that's what really prevented San Diego from being able to pull away. And they brought in um, M- Michael Romero, a new um, scrum half, 21, um, from Montpellier. And he's a he was a good player. You could see he brought a lot of spark to them and, and, and they did really well. But you also saw he had some difficult timing. I think in the first half, their forwards just dropped balls that, that when they were running their uh, their crash balls and, 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 and it was a real problem for them. So Austin had the edge in the, um, in the set piece, but really couldn't get much going. And the lack of real quality set piece ball really hurt San Diego. I mean, I thought that they would really be able to do some damage on the outside and they weren't able to do that. San Diego did enough and they had some real nice um, moments of quality, um, some play that they were really able to, to look at. 
and say, hey, we did some good stuff. And um, and I think that I think you know Rob Hoadley and his staff will be relatively happy um, as they continue to sort of bring in some new players and still um, see what they can do. Uh, Austin, when the ball when when the game broke down and they could just play rugby and they had a little bit of space, particularly in the second half when San Diego weren't kicking so well, they really were able to um, move the ball. Um, you know, Elan Patek's a great runner. Um, they had Ned Hodson, you know, scored a try, really did some good stuff. So when they were able to move the ball, they they did good stuff. But San Diego did enough. I, I think the question for them is moving into the playoffs. They've, they've clinched their playoff spot, although I don't think we know which, um, whether they're going to be third or fourth yet. The big question is, can their set piece hold them, um, you know, hold up under playoff conditions? Well, that will be the big question. It's uh, practically going to be a new season June 30th, those four sides. It's sudden death. But for Austin, boy, do they rue that loss at home to Seattle now, undefeated at home two weeks ago. Going into that game and they lose to Seattle at home and under strength Seattle, um, I think they're going to look back at that loss more than anything. Tough road trip to go down to San Diego and win, but San Diego, they're starting to find their rhythm at the right time of the season. My only question mark over the Legion, Pete, going into the playoffs, what effect will all these Eagles coming back have on, you know, the um, consistency and the, and the chemistry that's in this winning side at the moment? So that's one to keep an eye on there as we get into the playoffs in two weeks. But uh, speaking of playoffs, these two sides already locked in. They tussled again for the second time this year, and it was a tight one. Uh, Glendale, though, they remain undefeated. This juggernaut Raptors side continues to roll on, and this was a good one on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, this is the game that I, I did with Mark Stabino, and it was a really, really interesting game. In the first half, Glendale really struggled. They did not play well at all. Um, and Seattle really looked like the better side. They, they um, Every time they got into Glendale's 22, they took points, and Glendale just made so many errors. They have a discipline problem. They gave away 15 penalties in that game. Seattle um, gave away seven, and that, you know, that really helped Seattle move themselves down the field in the first half. It allowed them to be able to get their game going. But, man, was that second half – I mean, I, I think that second half, especially – you know, early on might have been the best rugby that Glendale have played this year, and that's without all of their eagles. Pretty impressive. Great halftime adjustments by Dave Williams, but Seattle had no answer in the second half. They were actually, they looked pretty poor in the second half against that Glendale team. No, almost double the amount of missed tackles from Seattle really hurt them too, not making their one-on-ones. And Glendale, that depth, it's got a good test, but... I mean, you look at some of the veterans there, Diarchival, Fenolio, those guys just standing up when it counts and they continue to roll on. They've locked up the number one seed. They will play whoever, well, I don't know if you want to say, unfortunately now, but whoever picks that uh, picks up that fourth spot, it'll be a tough one in Glendale on June 30th. It will, and, and just on, on just a couple of things I think about this performance. I thought Peter Dahl had a phenomenal game. He came back in veteran leadership. And I also think Glendale provided the solution to the seawall in that second half. And the solution is attack off the inside shoulder, pass the ball back inside. That was where they got their go forward. That was where they broke the seawall. No one's done that before because it's not really 
what you do against the modern defense. Everyone's looking to attack the outside shoulder. Everyone's looking to have runners off the outside. But Glendale had players on the inside. They have great support lines, and, and you could see they would pass back and forth, back inside, and they would cause a lot of problems for Seattle. So not only did this show how good Glendale is, but maybe you know the team that comes third might look at that and say, hmm, that's interesting. Let's think about how we break down that Seattle defense. Now, if you are running into that Seattle side, you're going to watch that film. That's going to be a very interesting point you make there, Pete. Um, I spoke to some of the, the Raptors players and I said, before the Seattle game, if you're going to take a loss in the regular season, this would be it. How many times do you see a side go undefeated and they bow out in the first round of the playoffs? I mean, a little bit of complacency. Uh, complacency and it, it dulls your axe where, you know, you don't want to be dulling your axe at this time of the year. So it'll be interesting to see how Dave Williams keeps that side motivated and how he actually approaches the game this weekend uh, that you're doing down in San Diego against the Legion. Yeah, well, we'll hold the uh, preview of that, but I'm going to be very interested to see how they do that. And I, I talked to Dave um, on the weekend and, you know, his comment was basically, look, we've got, what, six Eagles that, that are coming back. But, his, but he said, none of them are guaranteed positions. We've got guys here that are playing well. So I think the advantage that Glendale has that keeps their axe sharpened is that competition for places. Well, Dave Williams taking a line out of the coaching manual there right from the top. We're always competing for places. I'm pretty sure they're all coming <laughs> back. But uh, Sam, Sam Fig also missing uh, – Big Sam, uh, big Sam, I'm a big fan of Big Sam, the number eight for the Raptors. Uh, he doesn't seem to be getting a lot of the accolades some of the other players uh, are getting, but he's quietly going about a very nice season for the Raptors, uh, young Sam Fig. But uh, the big one on the weekend and playoff, you know, there were playoff implications in this one as well, more so for the losing side. Our CBS Sports Game of the Week was Utah hosting NOLA, and I think NOLA gave their fans in New Orleans just a, a little taste of what they can produce on their day. It was an outstanding performance in Utah. What were your thoughts on that one, Pete? Well, you know, Dan, I I, um, and I wasn't able to watch this game on um, completely live, and I ended up um, coming on when I think it was 46 to 20 to NOLA, and I think I texted you was like, what that what the heck is going on here? I mean, I'm, I was I was I was amazed. And but you know, I, I thought Nola really played um, a, a a great game. And we've seen in pieces of them. And I think some of this is just sort of you know getting JP Eloff back and getting him comfortable, which allows all the other positions to be in place. Um, we've seen the 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 uh, um, you know the opportunities that they've had on attack, but. They still showed their weakness, which was on defense. The defense has been a challenge for them all season. You know, they missed 26 tackles in that game. Um, that's what made it close. So even when they were 46-20 up um, in, in that second half, it, when they came out at halftime, like gangbusters scored three tries, they were still vulnerable. And I think that's what something that Nate Osborne's going to have to fix in the offseason. He's going to have to really look at that defense and see what he can do. You talk about the missed tackles, 26. I think probably 25 of them were against Don Putty. He was outstanding at fullback, uh, the little Utah Ute. Uh, but the, the the Utah Warriors just absolutely you know, shot themselves in the foot time and time again. Their turnovers at 26, errors at 23 errors 
which just blew me away when I read that. And you could see we were actually sitting a couple of boxes down from their head coach, Alf Daniels, a very, very calm, great guy, uh, has has probably one of the most even-keeled personalities in rugby coaching that I've ever seen. Um, very similar to yourself, Pete, back in uh, your coaching <laughs> days. He, at one point, just got up and launched the chair across the coaching box after they just continued to turn ball after ball. And you can tell that's not what he's asking of his players. And the message is obviously getting out there, but just falling on deaf ears. It's what makes them exciting to watch and what got them back in the game to almost win a game they didn't deserve to win. But, geez, they miss Kurt Morath. He is just that calm. And Paul the CK as well. I've got to give Paul credit. He's a calming influence in that midfield, but Morath's experience, if Morath plays that game, I think the Warriors win by 50. I oh, really do. I, I, no, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you, and I think that's going to be the interesting thing about the playoffs is this will be a very different Utah team. And they came out, and even without Morath, you know, they were able to score points. Um, but with him, I think that they actually dominate territory as opposed to losing the edge in territory. And I love how flat he plays. He just has such silky skills. He can say, stay so flat. And with the CK outside of him, they just generate go forward. I mean, this is a team that's coming into the playoffs that I don't think anyone's going to want to face. I agree. Do something. Well, let's shift gears from one fly half to another. It was the man of the match for New Orleans a man who has fought his way back from chemical meningitis. You have to Google that quickly and uh, see what that is. But he was outstanding in his last three weeks, none better than the weekend. I'm talking about Nola Gold's fly half, J.P. Eloff, who caught up with Pete Steinberg earlier. Hi, J.P. Thanks for joining us. Um, it looks like you're in your car. Where are you yes, from and uh, where are you going to? Um, I actually, um, I'm still in, still in New Orleans. Um picked up a, a job here for now when my, when the season ended so um yeah just out here working and uh, do you have any plans over the summer are you guys like allowed to play sevens do you have any any other rugby stuff ahead of you is it time off for you considering this? Um, yeah um, we, we, we are allowed to play sevens and um i was gonna maybe join uh, the nola gold sevens here or the nola team and um, that getting um coached by taylor harden but uh after uh, after the um, couple of weeks I had with the being in hospital and stuff, I, I think I might just take a month or two off here. Yeah, so let's um, let's let's start there, right? Um, so for those people that don't know, um, JP was diagnosed with chemical meningitis and ended up spending um, a couple of weeks in hospital. So talk a little bit about the symptoms, how that came about, how you ended yeah. up in hospital. Um, what that week well, was. It, was, it was kind of confusing for everybody that was involved. Um, I actually have had some issues with my with my shoulder and my neck, and um, they've been trying different methods to get it better. And um, so I went in for originally for a for an epidural shot in my back, and I went in and everything went well, and um, I went home that day, spent the whole day at home, went to bed, everything. The next morning I went up and I and I went to work. Um, and just when I got to work, I, uh, I really got really bad headaches, started getting worse and worse. And then I kind of got dizzy, losing like focus. And yeah, so then I, um, I went in to, to see the doc who gave me the shot. And um, after that, in his office, I got really bad. It got worse and worse. Then they, they rushed me to the ER and 
that's pretty much the last thing I remember for I walked into the ER and I, I just took a knee on the floor and then that's the last thing I remember for about 30 hours or so. Wow. And yeah, so during that time, apparently I went a little crazy or something. Um, I was just like very unresponsive and then I got apparently a little bit angry. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, then they at first they didn't know what it was. Um, they had a bunch of doctors trying to figure out what was going on and testing me for all kinds of stuff. But eventually um, they got it down to chemical meningitis and was on a bunch of um, antibiotics and stuff to get it treated and spent about, yeah, about two weeks in the hospital and a week on a big line at home. Well, I think that it was uh, um, obviously a scary time for you. Um, what was it like, you know, you were in hospital for a couple of weeks and, and you know, when, when you came out, what was the plan? How did you feel? And then what was it like getting back on the pitch? Well, uh, yeah, obviously it was it was it was a scary couple of weeks there, uh, uh, especially being so far away from everybody, um, from family. I mean, but luckily my fiance was here and, and took good good care of me. Um, but like I said, yeah, it was scary. But I, I did get a lot of support from the community, from from my Nola Gold team, um, coaches. Everybody did a great job in supporting me and helping me and get, try to get back on my feet. Um, obviously, when I when I initially got released, it was it was. Um, Worrisome. We didn't know if I'll be able to immediately play again. Um, what's going to happen? Um, but uh, eventually, after the pick line, I got cleared. I got the um, CT scan to make sure the brain was okay and everything, and, and they cleared me to play. But the hardest thing was um, I lost so much weight during during that two or three weeks that I was in the hospital. So putting weight back on and 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 getting a fitness level up to play at this level was was the hardest challenge for me personally. Yeah, well, it was great to see you back on the pitch, and and while this, um, you know, the, your loss I think had a significant effect on Nola. It was great for you guys to finish with such a good game um, against Utah, playing away, winning forty six forty three in front of one of the largest crowds um, in major league in the major league season. Uh, tell us a little bit about that game, and in particular, you guys were amazing. At the end of the first half and at the beginning of the second half, I mean, I think you scored, you know, a chunk of points, three tries at the beginning of the second half. Talk to us a little bit about what came together for you in that moment. Yeah, game. yeah I think um, I think we've been struggling before that game. I think we were struggling a bit was with getting the start of the game, getting like on the board first, and that's the thing we've been struggle, struggling with a little bit. And then when we started that game, and Utah came out with a quick. Two amazing tries by Don Party. Um, we were a little rattled there for a second, but uh, we just pulled together. We knew we knew we had to stand together and come together as a team. Like we knew that that could possibly be our last game, and as it turns out, it is our last game of the season. So we just had to come together as a team, um, stuck it out, and and we did that first ten minutes. We we took everything they got, and then we settled in and and played our game, and that helped us. We just stuck to the plan, and and, and it showed. Um, and, and then, um, you know, so you were up at, at I think it was 40-26 at one point. And then Utah slowly came back into the game. So yeah. tell us a little bit, were you guys ever nervous or do you feel like you always had the edge? Um, no, no, definitely. Um, after we came out, like halftime, we were, we were down. But um, we came out and we, we, we did what we said we were going to do. We said we had to come out at second half and be on top of them, play our game, keep the ball away from them. That's the biggest thing. There's... Their team is such a threat. Like they can score from anywhere on the field at any time. 
So the biggest thing was just keeping the ball away from him. And, and I think we did that great, especially that first 10 minutes coming out after halftime. So we did we did good there. And then um, obviously we were nervous as they, as they started to creep back into the game. Uh, it, like, it was scary. We were like, I was like, we didn't want to lose that game, that's for sure. But we stuck in there and we just held on. And that last, last five minutes or so, our defense kind of showed. We were struggling with our defense all game, but that last stand we took was, was very inspirational for my team. That's great. So tell us a little bit about, for you, the first Major League Rugby season. What were some of the things that, that you'll remember from playing with Nola Gold this, uh, this first season? Oh, obviously, yeah. what a great experience to be part of this first first year. Um, all the teams that are involved has been phenomenal. Good rugby, good support from the community. Like, it's just run really well. And um, Nola Gold, especially, was one thing I'll remember definitely is the heat. It's been so hot down here. But um, now, other than that, it's it's been great down here. There's a lot of support from the community. Tim Tim Falcon has done a great job with this team. He's putting a lot of effort into it, making it um, comfortable for us, for all the boys down here. So now it's definitely been something um, very special, and uh, something especially the guys that I've played with. We had to, we had our ups and downs. During during the season, especially me with, with with all the stuff that happened, but like I said, we we're a very close team, um, very um, close brotherhood here, and we're building something special to the future. So that's good. That's great. Um, so living in New Orleans, New Orleans is famous for its food. What's your favorite place to go out to eat? Oh yeah, um, yeah. There's so many places here. That's really good. Um, there's a little little Mexican place called. Uh, Al Patron, I think, close to my house, and uh, yeah, I do quite go there quite often. Um, it's very good. That's great. So you know, you come from a great rugby family and a great U.S. rugby family. So your brother Phil, who's uh, I think ten years older than you, is that is that right? Eleven, actually. Eleven years older than you. Yeah. Um, has you know has also represented the U.S. And here's a test of knowledge. You know how many caps he has for the U.S. I'm not exactly sure. I think it's around, I don't know, 36 maybe? Oh, well, I mean, in my record, it's 35, but we're actually never sure what oh. you so, so that's actually that's actually pretty good. So let's talk a little bit about what, what you want to do next. What are your goals for rugby? You're, you're 27, so you're coming into the prime of your, your career. What are some of the things that you want to accomplish? Yeah, no, um, definitely first on the list there is uh, the World Cup next year. Um, it's something I've been striving for. As, as you said, my brother's played in a couple of them, and that's definitely something I would love to follow in his footsteps and play in one of those and represent my family and, and myself. That's great. Have you had any conversations with Gary Gold? Like, what's, what, what is that, uh, what's the next step for you for selection? Do you, you know, I'm not sure how that Yeah, Gary, I've, I've talked to Gary a little bit before, and um, he's going to give me a shot at, coming into camp and um, I don't know if I was going to go to this camp probably not I'm not sure but he was coming in actually that weekend that I went to the hospital so I missed him so yeah, yeah. he was coming in that weekend for that game and I went in that Thursday so I, I kind of missed him when he was here and and when um, when you play for the US what do you think your best position is because you can sort of play 10 12 15 probably even a bit of nine right I mean you can yeah you know, no um, what do you think is the best yeah position? I would take anything wherever they need me. I will, I will, I will go. But um, 
obviously AJ has done an amazing job. AJ is one of the best teams that I've ever seen. Um, so I would, I will, I will leave that position to him. I would like to um, give a shot at, at either center or fullback. Well, you know they had uh, Will Hooley at fullback. So um, again, the last yeah. two games against Scotland and Russia. So obviously, fly halves playing fullback is something that the uh, that the US is um, is interested in. So yeah. finally. You know, before we uh, before we end the interview, what's something that you'd like to do away from the rugby pitch? What's one of your favorite activities to get away from rugby? Um, pretty much anything outdoors. Um, well, down here in New Orleans, it's a little different because you can't spend too much time outdoors. It's too hot. But um, um, back in where I'm from, Michigan, uh, where my fiance and family has a cottage, so Whenever we're not playing, we're always up there on the water, on the boat, and just enjoying the outdoors. Well, that's great. Well, JP, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, um, no problem. Uh, it, uh, very happy that you're healthy and back playing, and we uh, wish you um, uh, lots of recovery over the next couple of months. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for the oh, time. Actually, I'm going to ask you one one more question as we're coming up to the playoff before we end. I apologize for, for doing this, but... Um, Where's your money for the team that wins the playoffs now? Nola are out of it. Oh, uh, that's a hard one. Um, all the teams that's in it, like they can, anybody can win at any time. But uh, just experience-wise, I'm gonna have to put my money on Glendale. Well, I think that will be a popular pick. So, JP Eloff, thank you so much for joining us on um, Major League Rugby kickoff, and enjoy the rest of your summer. I appreciate it. Thank you. And there he is, the fly half for Nola Gold, J.P. Eloff. What a guy, what a player, and uh, excited to see what he can produce in 2019 for Major League Rugby. Pete, he is a genuine star, isn't he? Man, I just love watching him play. He's one of those guys that you can't take your eyes off. He's, he's got, you know, he's, he's, he can run, he can pass, he can kick. The only downside of him, and he talked about it a little bit in the interview, is he's a little small. And so he has to work really hard to get his weight up um, to be able to play with the big boys. But as he said, you know, he's been in conversations with Gary Gold. I think we'll see him play um, for the USA 15 in the fall um, and get his opportunity to play. And, you know, we we saw and we can move on to the um, Eagles, Dan. But, you know, we saw Will Hooley, a fly half, play at 15 for the U.S., both against Russia and in this Scottish, um, historic Scottish win. Uh, last weekend. So JP Eloff at fullback, he can kick, he can run, he can pass, he can tackle. That's an exciting prospect. Well, I'm sure it was bittersweet on Saturday night for JP Eloff as he watched the USA make history, a team that he has been involved with and played with in the past and looking to fight his way back into. But let me tell you, it was one of those games where I was watching it. Uh, Our executive uh, producer, Kimberly Higgs sent me a message as I landed back in Denver. She goes, are you watching this game? And I thought she was talking about Glendale and um, Seattle. I said, I'm about to pull it up on my phone. Don't tell the police. I'm going to watch it as I drive home. And she goes, no, you need to turn on USA Scotland. And so I turned it on. It was 23-20, I think, at the time. And uh, big hunker Hamasais. He, uh, he scored that try off the great AJ McGinty bomb and follow-up. And then I'm like, okay, we've got six points. And it's that nerve-wracking thing that I think 
everyone who's played for the USA or watched the USA for a long time just had that gut feeling of like six points is just not enough. It's just not going to be enough. And um, they defended so well. I was I was just so inspired and so impressed by the, the intestinal fortitude of that side to push those thoughts that I was having as an ex-player that I'm sure were creeping into the minds of some of the players on the field as well. Oh my, we've been here before. It's Scotland, fifth-ranked team in the world. Here they come. They pushed those to the back and they defended, they defended. And I know they scored late, but they did a good enough job to keep them out wide. And and then that kick, I mean, the uh, the camera angle on that last kick just added to the drama because I don't know if it went over or not. I had to wait for the crowd. To, <laughs> and they were already quite loud. So I'm like, is it true? Is it not? I'm trying to see if their players were celebrating. It took another couple of seconds. I think I veered across four lanes of traffic on the I-25. Sorry to everyone driving uh, home that night, but uh, what a great performance. What a a historic win and so happy for Gary Gold. So happy for Dave Hodges, uh, all the coaching staff, Pittman, Scotty Lawrence, all those guys, all the work they've done, the players as well. Uh, they, They get a couple of days to enjoy it, but what were your thoughts on the match, Pete? Yeah, well, I mean, I was doing the uh, Glendale Seattle game while it was going on, and, and Kimberly was also texting me, and my my wife um, was uh, sending me texts as well, and and you know the uh, the Glendale game was over, and uh, she um, my wife was still texting me, and she goes, "I'm so nervous," and I was like, "Mike, <laughs> telling me you're nerv- nervous doesn't help me understand what's going on," and she kept telling me that there were five meter. Um, line outs for Scotland and I was like no penalty tries no penalty tries so that was what I was thinking in their head I was like let them score in the corner which they ended up doing um, I went back and watched the game there's a couple of things that that, that really stood out for me and it stood out for me in the last two um, uh, you know um, both the Russia game and the Scotland game the, the first thing is we can score like um, Greg McWilliams um, the coach at Yale who's the attack coach and also um, is becoming it's becoming a habit for him doing historic upsets. He was an assistant coach with the Irish women when they beat um, New Zealand in 2014 in that historic win. But he's done a phenomenal job. Like we can actually score. We we have um, a great structure. We play at pace. I thought Sean Davis had a great game. Really solidified himself as the Eagle scrum half, being able to play at pace. So I think that the fact that um, you know we're we're able to play um, and and do that is one. The second thing, and I'll, another shout out to an assistant coach is Sean Pittman. You know, there's been one um, e- eagle era in in my mind, um, and it was twenty two thousand and seven um, that the Eagles have had a scrum that didn't go backwards, and that was when Chris Ozentowski was the tight head. And um, in the 2007 World Cup, I, I remember um, vividly because I was um, at the game, them standing up to South Africa on a couple of five-meter scrums. So, again, we have um, – Paul Mullen had a great game, but we actually have um, a scrum and a line-out that can function at the highest level. And you that's a prerequisite. It doesn't matter how good your athletes are, but if your set piece doesn't work, at that level, you get punished. And our set piece was did did well. I mean, we were pretty even um, when it went into the set piece. So the fact that we had a really good scrum um, and a, you know an adequate scrum, a very good line out, um, and we can score points, and then just you know the heart that we showed on defense. I mean, that's what that's what gives you the win. 
So really impressive. And, and I'll say this, I actually watched the um, highlights on the, on the BBC when, uh, um, when they did it. And I'll be fair, you know, sometimes you always wonder kind of like, well, what, you know, what do other people think? Like we, we thought we deserved to win. And there wasn't a single pundit on the BBC, not a single Scottish player, you know, former Scottish player or Scottish coach that wasn't saying the Eagles deserve to win that game. Um, I think it would, everyone thought, even if that, you know, that if the kick had gone over, it would have been a travesty. And I think that is even better than, you know, just winning the fact that we actually outplayed the Scottish team for the game. I think it's really heartening. So exciting. So exciting. Well, how do I forget oh, Greg McWilliams, the most, the most uh, handsome, handsome assistant, assistant coach, coach in world rugby? So sorry, Greg. I'll, I'll never do it again. But um, yeah, it's, it's a big one. You know, it's tough. It's, we are so caught up in our side of it, and rightfully so, as, as USA fans. But, I mean, fifth-ranked sides don't lose to 15th-ranked sides. So the repercussions for Scotland are going to be quite harsh. I, I believe five players were sent home, cut from the squad for Argentina that night on a plane the first thing the next morning. Players were basically sent home to their hotels, packed to the airport, 4 a.m. flight to Argentina, Gregor Townsend just fuming, absolutely. Fu- it was four degrees hotter in Houston because of how angry Gregor Townsend was. It was uh, not a good place to be uh, for the Scots. But the Eagles, their summer continues this week, Pete. They face the old enemy in Canada up there in uh, beautiful Halifax, up as far north and east you can get pretty much in Canada. If you look at the form guide, this should just be an absolute runaway win for the Eagles. However, it's always different when the USA plays Canada. Should be a tight game there. Hopefully squads get released uh, in the next 12 hours from when we're recording. We should see them pretty soon, but it should be a good game up there. It, it, it should. And, you know, the, uh, um, the Canadians are famous for taking the US and putting us in the corners of, the, of their country that are quite difficult to get to. Um, but I, I heard the Halifax is sold out, um, which is uh, which is exciting. And, you know, it's going to tell us a lot about Gary Gold this game. Um, you know, you got your big win against Scotland. And, it will, you know, does he come out with the same squad? And he says, hey, we don't get our pro players as often as other, other sides do. Um, you know, uh, we're going to stay with the, you know, fundamentally the same squad as long as everyone is healthy. Um, and, you know, we're going to let them continue to play together. Or does he rotate? And he says, hey, I want to, you know, learn something. I want to see other players and see what they can do. I mean, Scotland got destroyed by Russia. Um, and so you're right. I mean, it, this should be with – if the U.S. plays their best squad and they're able to mentally get back after that historic win, which is another test, I mean, they should win this game by 30. But as you said, Canada-US is always different. Um, the Canadians will be chomping at the bit to do something. They'll have a rabid home crowd. And it should be another good one. I'm looking forward to, you know, it, it's, I'm excited to watch the US play. That's the best thing that I can say. Yeah, you're being a little harsh on our Scottish friends. It was uh, Canada that Russia pumped on the weekend. Sorry, that's not, what I not meant. Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> they don't don't well, make a tough weekend any tougher both, for the poor know, Scottish. Their accents are similar. They both say a, so it's all it's all it's all the same. I, it I, will I, be it will be a good test because a true uh, the sign of a true you know dominant side is how they rebound from not only a loss but a good win like that. Like how do they? take that emotion, take that momentum and get them to refocus, readjust and go against Canada. 
this weekend. So there'll, there'll be some industry. I saw John Quill went down uh, with the – he had his foot in the uh, moon boot at the end of the game. So you would think he would be at long odds to play. Um, and I think – I now don't hold this on me, Pete, but I think a few of the pro guys are being summoned back as well. So I believe uh, Big Joe uh, Dolfetti, I think he has to go back to Worcester this week. But we'll find out when the team get announced uh, shortly. So, But re, uh, refocusing on what this podcast is all about, we're all about Major League Rugby action. And it is the final round, June 23rd. Everything goes down on Saturday. Uh, two games. We'll go with the, uh, the ESPN AT&T game first. It's Houston. Bottom of the ladder versus Utah, who need to get a win to get into the playoffs. You would think that carrot is going to be enough to get the Warriors home, at home. That's why I'm going to take them, and I'm going to take them pretty convincingly over a Sabercats side with pretty much nothing left to play for. But as we've seen this year, Pete, form guy usually gets thrown out the window every week anyway. So <laughs> it, it doesn't. Actually, I don't think Utah need to win. Um, I think they need two losing bonus points to be able to knock off Austin. So Austin are on 18 points, Utah are on 17 points. The first tiebreaker, I believe, for Major League Rugby is actually total number of wins. And the second tiebreaker is point difference. So what that means is that if Utah get only get one point and lose, because um, Austin have three wins and Utah will only have two wins, they will still, Austin will still qualify. So Austin have a chance, but I'm, I'm with you on this. I mean, Houston uh, haven't shown um, the ability to, to play consistently. They, they don't have much to play for. It's a, it's a huge challenge for um, Justin Fitzpatrick and his coaching staff to get these guys up. But um, I think uh, this is, I mean, I think this is Utah by, by 10. That would be uh, that. That would be. I go. I, I. think they'll be motivated. I think they'll be able to come through. They. They can score points, um, and you know that'll be a game that the Austin guys are really looking at. Okay, so we're both in agreeing there. Utah by plenty. Now our CBS game of the week. I'll be at home. I've got a tenth birthday with my son on this weekend, so I have to. Uh, big big double figures. Yeah, it's big double big figures. Double yeah, figures. we've got a big one planned. So this is the only week I wasn't able to work, unfortunately. So you'll be uh, taking the reins down there, Pete, in San Diego. It's the Raptors putting their undefeated record against San Diego with nothing to play for. I believe. I don't think they can. Uh, they can't jump up into second. I know that. They could slip back to fourth, though. So, so, so depending they, on what right. happens with Utah. That's right. They'll, they'll know going into the game um, what they'll need to do to get third because they will not want to play um, Glendale at Glendale, right? So getting into third place for them is going to be important. Um, and so I think that they'll know if, if, if that's um, what they need to do. And, you know, knowing Dave Williams... I mean, I mean, it, it'll be interesting. I, I you know, I, I talked to Dave before he played Seattle, and he is very much of the thinking that you put out your best side and you play your best, and you know, it's all about developing consistency. And when you get into the playoffs, you know, I think I, you know, I think as a, or I have thought as a coach a little differently. I mean, in this game, I wouldn't want to show too much, right? Um, you know, I think I might be able to play San Diego again. 
Um, I, I might have a couple of starter moves that I keep in my back pocket. Obviously, the lineups will be very different, so that's something that'll be uh, that'll be important. But I think finishing unbeaten, and I think that the Glendale's competition that they have will keep their players on edge. And I think this is actually going to be a pretty good game, and it's going to be a pretty interesting game. It certainly will. It's going to be, uh, like you said, I think more the tactics around the game than the game itself interests me at this point in time, seeing on what kind of sides they put out. And especially, like you said, being a later game, they're going to know before a ball is kicked exactly what's on the line for that last game. But uh, it's been an absolutely stellar season for Major League Rugby, and I think it's only fitting that so much can happen in this last weekend that will dictate what happens on June 30th. So it's been outstanding, and I'm looking forward to uh, tuning in. For once, sitting at home, I'll put CBS Sports on, which is now – how about this one, Pete? We are the highest-rated show on CBS Sports. You and me, baby, we're number one. Numero uno. It's definitely us. It's definitely us. I mean, it could be the one that's mainly us. Well, you know, before we sign off, I need to give my my rap to San Diego prediction, and this is a tough one to, to call. Um, because I think there's, you know, there's a lot of unknowns that we don't know now going into it. I think, um, I think the Glendale players will, will be motivated. I, I don't expect to see um, Sam Figs back. I expect to have um, the uh, um, that the, there'll be some Raptors that will be rested. Um, if Utah win, they can jump San Diego, um, and you know we both predict Utah winning. So I think San Diego's going to have a little bit more of the motivation. I think the, um, the scrum is still going to be a problem for them. The lineup is still going to be a problem. I think this is going to be a close game. And um, I'm going to call, you know, I lived in San Diego for a couple of years. I now live in Denver. My biases are split. I'm going to say San Diego by three. Ooh, there you go. I'm going to stay with the Raptors. Um... Well, every time, you, every time you go against the Raptors, they win. And you get, you know... Well, they they win either way. They're undefeated. So if I did, <laughs> it's true. So, no, they haven't lost a game, but it's the uh, it's the threats of physical violence from the Glendale community that scare me. And it's few of those few of those Raptors players who are, like, you know, their hair's getting as grey as mine. So you guys can figure out who they are. They uh, they're not very appreciative when I uh, when I tip against them. So I will go with the Raptors. I'll go by seven. At uh, in San Diego because I think the Legion do have a lot to play for, but I uh, just think the Raptors just a little bit too polished. They uh, they won't they won't miss the tackles that Austin missed, and I'll make the most of their opportunities down there on what I would anticipate to be a very quick, uh, dry track. So should be a good one though. I'm looking yeah, forward to be. like I said, sitting down and putting it on the TV. I actually got a, I got a new TV for Father's Day, so oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll throw it up on there and get to be a fan for one week here before uh, you and I pretty much run the table. There we've got the semifinals and then the final in San Diego. So exciting yeah, few weeks coming up, Pete. Yeah, I'm really looking forward actually to the semifinals in Glendale on June 30th. Got to have a little shout out. The uh, tickets are available. It's a double header. So you get um, two games for the price of one. And I think it's going to be, it's a great facility. I think the, um, there is a bunch of Seattle um, Seawolves fans that are, um, have already booked their tickets that will be coming in. Uh, um, I'm sure there will be San Diego fans that can now book their tickets. And there'll be Utah fans and Austin fans waiting to see if they, they can make it. But for any rugby fan, I think that would be a, a great day out. 
bring the family. It's not too expensive. Um, and you'll see some really, really good, high-quality rugby. Oh, you will. Infinity Park know how to put on a good show as well. So that's going to be a great day. June 30th, make sure you get out there. Get to uh, usmlr.com. I believe the tickets are available on there as well. Plus, you can keep uh, an eye on the schedule as well to see who's playing who after this weekend. Well, Pete, that'll wrap it up. It's going to be a big one as we head into the final week here. Then we'll get together next week. Have a great game in San Diego. Make sure you get some travel pointers while you're traveling uh, down there. There probably won't be too many. Like you said, you're pretty tried and true coming in and out of San Diego, but we'll get together love next week. Airport. I love that airport. It's one of the best airports in America, the San Diego airport. Turn up 30 minutes before the flight, still waiting 10 minutes before the uh, finished boarding. Love it. Love it. All right, Dan. Well, thank you so much. Please wish your son a happy birthday on Sunday. I will. I will. Should be a big one. Parties on Saturday. So hopefully uh, I survive and I can tune in on Saturday night to uh, your beautiful voice on CBS. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for tuning in, folks. That's it for the MLR kickoff. We'll catch up again next week, see how our predictions went and preview those semifinals coming up. Till next time.